Thank you for listening to the podcasts from Life Central Church. For more information or to visit one of our locations, go to lifecentralchurch.org.uk. You know, we often think about such history as what, as what we do on the internet, but you know, when you search through history, there is one name, there is one person who is by far the most dominant person in the whole of human history, and that person is Jesus Christ. But you know, one of the most misunderstood persons in the whole of human history is also Jesus Christ. And I think, you know, some of the people that actually have um, kind of um, affected that misunderstanding have been the church. Because often we, we want to communicate who Jesus is, but sometimes we really get it wrong. Like this church who wanted to say Jesus cares, but the way they communicated it, it came up with this message. It's not quite the message that they wanted, was it? You know, they wanted to say Jesus cares, but actually it reads something totally different. And then there's this other one from this other church. Don't let worries kill you. Let the church help. I'm sure they didn't really mean that. And then this one, which is a little scary, the next one. Don't make me come down there, God. Hey, that's not God, okay? But this final one, I really like this. This is going to key into what we want to say today. And it says this. If you're into Twitter world, you'll understand this. Tweet others as you would like to be tweeted, okay? Trouble with your R's there. But, you know, tweet others as you like to be tweeted. You know, the reality is, this is our subject today. What does Jesus say about racism? That's what we're looking at today. What does Jesus say about racism? Now, my dilemma with this is that this is a very controversial subject. It's emotional. It's nuanced. It's divisive. It's complex. It's evolving. A few years ago, I was in India, and uh, I was in a car with, with some friends, pastor and his family, and we were traveling to Bangalore, hours and hours in a car, and we were talking away, and, uh, and um, they're kind of my age, and they said, oh, we used to love that um, uh, sitcom in the 70s called Mind Your Language. And I, and I thought about it, whoa, that's like, we would look back at that now, and we would say, that's really racist, and, you know, like English people, you know, it, it, mimicking Indian accents. But the Indian guy said to me, no, 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 we love it. And then the guy said to this, could you do that? Will you do that accent? You know, when, when you take off the Indian, and I said, no, I can't do it. That's racist. And for hours, he made me do that in the car. And, and so it's an evolving, complex, nuanced issue that we're talking about today. Fortunately, Life Central guys, I know that we can handle this conversation in a mature, reasoned way. We're not going to get upset. We're not going to get offended because we are bigger than that. Now, if we were in one of those kind of situations where we were like kind of a, a right-wing church or a left-wing church, and can I just say, I'm an Aston Villa fan, all right? So we don't have any right-wing, we don't have any left-wing, and we have nothing down the centre either, okay? Um, so I, I, I'm confident we can share this conversation together. But, you know, if we were very right-wing or left-wing, then it's easy because you just say what that wing wants to, say, to hear and then it's fine. But we're not like that. We're in a, a much more mature, rounded situation where we have people with lots of different views. But we're going to handle it in a mature way and in a thoughtful way today. So some caveats for the conversation. Firstly, if you don't like what I say, it's okay. But let your love be louder than your opinions. Secondly, if you don't think I say all that I should say or need to say, you'd be absolutely right. Because in 20, 25 minutes, I can't say everything. But hopefully, here's a start. So what is racism? The dictionary defines it as this prejudice, discrimination or antagonism towards people based on their race 
or ethnicity. But don't stop there because it also goes on to define it like this. An inability or refusal to recognize rights, needs, dignity or value of others from different race or ethnicity. You see, the first definition is about hatred towards others. And most of us would say, yes, I'm not a racist. But racism isn't just hatred towards others, guys. It's when we refuse to acknowledge the value and the dignity of others who are different from us. Muhammad Ali said, hating people because of their color is wrong. And it doesn't matter which color does the hating, it's just plain wrong. And we'd all agree with that, I'm sure, but racism is much more than just that. Where does racism come from? I think it comes from fear. I think it comes from a fear of difference. I wanna say, most white people have a fear of black men. Now that's quite a strong statement. I think it's true. In fact, a few years ago, again, I was in another country. I was in South Africa and I'd been there with a team and the team had gone home and I was staying for a further week to do some teaching and some training um, in, the, in the camp that I was on. And I'd, I'd borrowed one of the cars from the team uh, to drive to a mall where I was going to just walk around the mall, have a coffee, do some preparation. And as I was driving down this street, in, uh, uh, this road in South Africa, I, I noticed a car and I pulled around the car. But what I didn't notice was another car coming really fast down the, down the hill. And as I pulled out to uh, swerve around the car I didn't look and this car hit me and as the car hit me on the side of the car this car pulled over and out of this car got four huge black African men who were angry now would I have had fear if they were four white men probably but all I can tell you from the honesty of my human heart is that there was a fear in me there was a fear in me and it wasn't just because I'd, I'd hit some and there were four men I think there was something deeper than that as well. And you see, the, the reality is that facts rarely replace fear. It's like if you're fearful of flying, facts don't replace that fear. It doesn't matter to you that you can read on Google or wherever, you know, that actually planes don't come out of the air through turbulence. That just doesn't happen. But even though that's fact, it rarely replaces the fear. Experience replaces the fear. So I've got a big question for you to think about right at the start of our time together today, and it's this. How do people who don't look like you experience you? This is a question that a guy called Andy Stanley from North Point in Atlanta, it's a church that we have a very close relationship and friendship with now. And of course, in Georgia and in the South of America and all across America, this is a huge issue, but this is a global issue. It's not just an American issue. How do people who don't look like you experience you? And you know, if you're not a follower of Jesus today, that's probably enough for you to think about just that one question right there. But if you are a follower of Jesus, there's loads more for you to think about. What does Jesus want to say? What does Jesus say about racism? I believe he'd say two things. The first thing is this. All people are created in the image of God. All people are created in the image of God. The question is, do we see it? Guys, we're all created in the image of God. You know, I don't believe that God is colorblind. I don't. I believe that God does see color and he loves it. He loves the richness and the variety and the difference. And I just think that we're called to love all that God has created. And ultimately, it's the whole planet. We are called to love the planet that he created. We are called to love his creation, to steward it and to look after it. But you know, the pinnacle of God's creation is mankind in all of its richness, in all of its diversity, in all of its color. And we are called to love 
one another. You know, in, in the Jewish context, you know, the massive deal for the Jewish nation has always been to, to, to please God and to, 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 to make God happy by the way they lived their life. And often for the Jewish mindset, um, it was all about keeping the laws, the Ten Commandments, and then all the other laws that the Jewish people came up with. But when Jesus came along, he was so radical that he took all the laws, the Ten Commandments, and all the other laws that the Jewish uh, people uh, came up with. And he said, hey, let's just boil it down to one. And he called it a new command. And you find it in, in John, in the Gospel of John, chapter 13, verse 34 to 35, where Jesus says this. He says, a new command I give you, love one another. Now that doesn't seem new because right back in the history of the Old Testament, it was love the Lord your God with all your heart and your soul and your strength and then love your neighbor as yourself. Here's where the new bit is. Love one another as I have loved you. That's the radical new bit. So you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you're my disciples if you love one another. This was radical because before this, it was all about keeping the Ten Commandments. But you know, there's a guy in the New Testament called Paul, the Apostle Paul. You might have heard of him. He, was, he used to be called Saul. Here's the truth. Before Saul became a follower of Jesus, he kept all the Ten Commandments and he was a racist, violent killer. Until the moment that he met Jesus face to face. Because you see, this is the thing. Guys, this is what marks us out as followers of Jesus. Not what we believe, but the fact that we love one another as Jesus has loved us. How's that? Well, I want you to imagine that the circle that Jesus had around him. And in that circle, there were lots of people that were not like him. There were men and women. They were rich and poor. They were black and white. They were uh, tax collectors and sinners and, and scribes and Pharisees. And, and they were all different. They weren't all his people. They were people. And the amazing thing is that Jesus said to them on one occasion, hey guys and girls, lean in, lean in a little bit. Didn't say that. I'm just kind of making that for effect. But he said, lean in because I want to tell you something new. And you know what he said? He said, hey, I have called you friends. I've called you friends. I think what Jesus will say about racism is this. Number one, all people are created in the image of God. But number two, I think he would say this. Belief is not enough. Guys, belief is not enough. You can believe that in your heart, but that is not enough, Jesus would say. You know, I found in my research something really fascinating, which has really helped me. And I want to share it with you guys today or wherever you're watching this. And it's called the racism continuum. Okay, because I think that, and, and you can see it now uh, on the screen uh, underneath me, and I've got to kind of get all this right, really. As you see, I think many of us in this racism debate right now, we're saying this statement, we're saying, I'm not a racist. And I get that, although I would say, there's a little bit of racism in every single one of us, if we're honest, whatever our colour or ethnicity. But the goal is not to not be a racist. The goal is much, much, much more beyond that. And so if you start here with racist, okay, then what happens is that maybe you move to the next stage, which this guy's called agnostic, where maybe you're like, well, I don't hate other people, but I'm not really bothered. Or maybe you move towards the cynic. There's lots of cynics right now. You know, and I'll speak into some of that in, in a little while. Or maybe we move a little bit closer to this term seeker where, where we're seeking to see what's going on on the inside of us. And then you come in the middle point to what this guy is called conversion. And that's not conversion to faith. That's conversion to the idea and to the belief that all people are created in the image of God. And I'm going to move, not just to not be a racist, because that's not the goal, but I'm going to move to something much deeper and more profound than that. And that's right at the end of this spectrum, which is reconciler. 
And then maybe when you get that conversion, that it's not just about what I believe, but it's also about what I do, then maybe you take some baby steps. Maybe you become a child. Maybe you become a teenager or an adult. Ultimately, where Jesus wants you and I to be is obviously not racist, but it's not in the middle. It's at the end where we become a reconciler, where we move along this continuum. And I know, having looked at this, I know that I'm not at that end yet. I've got a long way to go when it comes to this. But I know something. If I'm a follower of Jesus, if I believe that every single person is created in the image of God with intrinsic value and worth regardless of the colour of their skin or regardless of their ethnicity or their background, then I want to move along that continuum and I want to end up where Jesus wants me to end up. Not just not a racist, but a reconciler wanting to bring people together. That's God's great heart and plan for planet Earth. Jesus came, the Bible says, to destroy all the barriers. And Paul, in his letters, he talks about destroying the wall of hostility that were between us as human beings. Nelson Mandela said it this way, no one is born hating another person because of the colour of his skin or his background or his religion. People must learn to hate. And if they can learn to hate, then they can be taught to love. For love comes more naturally to the human heart than its opposite. But guys, I want to get really practical with you today. And I want to say some big things, okay? And the first one is this. It is not enough not to be a racist. I hear so many people uh, at the moment just saying and posting on social media, I'm not a racist. It's not racist to do this. It's not enough not to be a racist. You see, if you were to see someone abusing someone, you wouldn't say, well, I'm not an abuser. No, you would become anti-abuse. We, we, we're just not a bully. We become anti-bullying. We, we, we don't want to be racist. We want to become anti-racist. It is not enough to not be a racist. And when you begin to see it and you begin to feel it and you begin to speak out against it, then maybe actually you discover that there's a little bit more racism in us than we'd like to acknowledge. I'm quoting all the greats today, but Martin Luther King Jr., he said this, one of his most famous quotes, injustice anywhere is a threat to justice everywhere. We are caught in an inescapable network of mutuality, tied in a single garment of destiny. Whatever affects one directly affects all indirectly. A couple of years ago, a friend of mine, Lee, who's in the church, he's one of our elders and one of our worship leaders as well, and we went uh, on a trip to the to the States, uh, to, to go to some conferences. And we recognised or we realised that there was one conference in Atlanta and one conference in Birmingham, Alabama. And then we realised before we knew that, uh, and it was 2018, and it was 60 years uh, uh, after Martin Luther King Jr. had been assassinated. Uh, and so we thought, this is interesting because we're very fascinated by um, American history, the Civil War and civil rights. And so what we did when we went to, to these conferences, is we went on a little bit of a pilgrimage as well. So we started in Atlanta, went to Martin Luther King's home and the church where his father uh, was the pastor. Then we ended up going to Birmingham to the conference. Um, and that's where he spent time in prison. And then we went on a bit of a road trip. And we ended up here at this place um, called Selma Bridge. And if you've ever seen the film Selma, you'll understand and you'll know that this was a play in the civil rights movement where Martin Luther King and many other people marched across this bridge. And I know that there's lots of marches and protests been going on recently in our culture. And, there's, and, it, and it's evoked all kinds of views and thoughts. And I want to just say a couple of things about it. Now, I know there's, there's a lot of stuff that we could say and I'm not condoning violence and 
But I, I am also saying, hey, guys, we have to look a little bit beneath what we're seeing. And, and rather than just jumping to opinions, let's listen a little bit more to what's going on underneath. See, what's going on on the underneath for, for young people in our culture who many of us say are millennials, oh yeah, they're the soft generation. That's what many older people say. They don't believe in much. And yet many, many thousands and thousands of millennials, black and white, put their own safety at risk because there was something deeper and stronger at work and they were fearful, not only for their own lives, but in many cases for the lives of other people. And so there's all these kind of arguments, but let's not forget that there's emotion and that emotion comes from somewhere, comes from some very real issues. And I want to talk a little bit about that this morning or today. But how does Jesus open up this idea that it's not enough not to be a racist? Well, one of the things that Jesus was a master at was telling stories. And one day a guy came to him and said, hey, Jesus, how do we get right with God? Uh, and Jesus said, let me tell you a story. And he told a story, and it's in Luke chapter 10, verse 25 to 37. I'm not going to read it, but you can read it. The, the verse will stay on the screen for a little bit. But it's a really well-known story, and maybe you remember it from Sunday school. Let me tell it to you. This man is on a trip from Jerusalem to Jericho, and on that road, it's a dangerous road, and he knew that, he gets mugged. And he gets mugged and robbed and beaten and left for dead. But it's okay, because there's two people just like him on the road. They're from his tribe, if you like. They're his colour. They're his people. There's a priest and there's a Levite. But they see him and they walk past him. And maybe they say, well, I'm not a mugger. Well, I didn't beat him up. And they do nothing. But then a third man comes along and he's not like this man. He's not from this man's tribe. He's not from this man's people. He's not from this man's group. He's maybe a different... In fact, the Bible says he's a Samaritan. And the Samaritans and the Jews were like enemies. You see, racism isn't just a, a colour issue. It's a people issue. I've spent time in, in, in India with the caste system and in, in South Africa and, and, and Rwanda and, and, you know, and, and, and the, the Balkans and, and Ireland. And, and race is this issue. But here's a Samaritan who was an enemy of the Jew. And yet this man looked at this Samaritan. He didn't ask, well, what was he doing on the road anyway? Well, you know, did he look after himself? Was he sensitive? He didn't ask any of those questions. He literally just gave of himself. And he not only took this man at his own cost and expense, but he put him on a horse and he helped him and he took him off, off the road and put him back on his feet again. And Jesus says, hey, who's the one that most pleases God? And of course, the man says, it's obvious. It's the one who showed mercy. The Samaritan didn't ask what this man had done or why he was on the road. He knew he was not like him. He didn't say, well, I didn't beat him up. I'm not a robber. You see, it's not enough to not be a racist. We have to become, guys, anti-racist, which means doing something. And what's shocking to the listeners is that Jesus is bigging up the Samaritan, their mortal enemy. You see, I wonder what could happen in our world if actually what would happen when racism becomes gracism. And I want to use that as a little play of words. What could happen, guys, if racism, when racism becomes gracism? You see, grace is when we extend mercy when it's not deserved. It's almost like it's what Jesus has done for us. You know, mercy, if God just gave me mercy, that means he wouldn't punish me for my sin. But he didn't just give me mercy. He gave me grace. He gave me what I don't deserve more than I deserve. What happens when racism becomes gracism, when we extend to those who are not like us grace as well as mercy? I think we could change the world. 
Many of you have seen this picture, this photograph um, that's going to come up hopefully now on the screen of this man carrying a protester. And can I say this would have been as powerful if it was a white man carrying a black man as it is a black man carrying a white man because there's something powerful about gracism extending to someone else who's not like you what maybe you think they don't deserve but neither did you deserve it. But when we extend it, it could literally change the world. Let me just speak into Black Lives Matter for a moment. I know this is very, very emotional and evocative and um, controversial. You know, I'm not talking about the organization Black Lives Matter, okay? Because there's some extremism in there and there's some other agendas and motives. I get all that. But I think we're getting sidetracked by all of that and we're missing out on the real issue when we get sidetracked by that. Guys, this is where we need to stay open. Please. This is where we need to stay open and not get defensive. I see so much on social media that is defensive right now. Guys, can I just say, this is not an attack on white people. This is a cry for help. Guys, if you're white today, this is not an attack on white people. In the vast majority of cases, it's not. It's a cry for help. And you say, yeah, but all lives matter. Of course they do. Nobody is saying that they don't. Let me give you three examples of why I'm, I think this is so important. And I'm going to be passionate about this because this is important to me. The first one is my own situation. We have two children. One of them has what we used to call special needs. Okay, He's one of the most complex young men in the, in the area. Simeon, he's 26, last Saturday. He has autism, he has ADHD, he has learning disability, uh, he has epilepsy, he self-harms. Um, he's just a very... Now, when, when we used to call kids like Simeon, when we used to say they have special needs, there's a whole bunch of people that started to say, you can't do that because all children are special. Well, of course they are. But when you just say all children are special and you can't say that my child has special needs, what that does to me is it says, hey, the issues that you're dealing with, the pain and the grief that you're going through, I'm minimizing that because all of us are special. Of course, every child is special, but there's something unique about certain individuals and their situation. It's not an attack, it's a cry for help. The start of lockdown, my mother died and just a few days before lockdown, we had a funeral. Imagine if you came to my mom's funeral and said, hey, you shouldn't mourn because my mom died as well and all moms are special. Well, of course they are. But in that moment, it's my mom's funeral. Jesus puts it this way. He says, he told another story in Luke chapter 15. He said, hey, there's this shepherd. He's got 100 sheep. And everyone recognizes that. Now, how many of those 100 sheep are special to the shepherd? All of them. But Jesus says, hey, this shepherd, he leaves 99 and he goes after the one. Now, someone could have said, are you saying the 99 aren't special? Are you saying it's only the one? No, of course. But the one is in peril. The one could die. That's the heart behind Black Lives Matter. I really genuinely believe that. For the vast majority of people, it's not an attack on everybody else. It's a cry for help. Guys, you and I, if you're white, we don't understand what layers and layers of systemic, of institutional oppression and injustice going back centuries. We don't understand what that feels like. And I'm having my heart broken as I talk to some of my friends to try and understand and listen and learn. And without being defensive or saying, oh, don't come near my statues or don't come near my culture. Or, don't, without being defensive, just staying open for a moment. Nobody is saying all lives don't matter. Of course they do. But we are saying some lives are in greater danger than others. And that has to make a difference in not just what we believe, but in what we 
do. And here's another big idea. Proximity is not friendship. Proximity is not friendship. How do we move up that continuum? Knowing people who are not like you is never going to move us up the racism continuum. Facts don't change our mind. Only experience does that. So I want to say to you guys, I want to say to all of you, whatever your colour, whatever your ethnicity, whatever your diversity, I want to say to all of you, okay, pursue people who don't look like you. Listen to people who don't look like you. Learn from people who don't look like you. And don't just know people, become friends. I want to show you some of my friends on screen today. Is that okay? This is Festo. And uh, I, I met Festo uh, two years ago uh, in, in Texas. We were at a conference together. And he'd never been on an aeroplane in his life. He lives in Arusha in Tanzania. And um, he flew for the first time in this metal tube and was absolutely petrified. And, and we were sharing a house together. And it was an incredible house. We, we all had our own bathroom and all fancy mod cons. And, and it was a mind-blowing experience. But we became really close. And he said to me, I want you to come to Tanzania, not thinking that I would come or that I would go. But last June, I went and I spent um, 10 days with, with, with Festo in Tanzania and, and with his family. And, and I listened and I'm learning such a lot from this man. Such a lot. And then, and then this guy here is Pastor Ebenezer. And I spoke to him a couple of nights ago. And this is me and Ebenezer in India in just a few months ago. He pastors um, a ministry in India. Um, and I met him again a couple of years ago. And I was speaking at a conference, quite a big conference. And him and his wife came and said hello afterwards. And lovely couple. And they wanted a photograph with one of the speakers. you know. And there's me thinking, oh, look, I'm the preacher and blah, blah, blah. And he asked me to go out again, not thinking I would. But I did. And I've been twice. And I've learned such a lot from this man of God. You know, I, I, there was me thinking, here was this, this guy and his, and his wife from this little situation in India. And when I arrived there, and he showed me the Bible college that he's got and the children's home and the 65 churches that he's planted. Uh, and, the, and, and he told me on Thursday that last Sunday, 76,000 people watched their service on the TV station. I'm learning a lot from my friend Ebenezer. And then here is Loretta. And Loretta is the twin sister of a really good friend of ours, Laura, from our church. But Loretta lives in Accra, Ghana. And Alison and I were in Ghana last year um, uh, on, the, on a compassion trip. And, and so we got the joy of spending an evening with Loretta and a meal and learning about each other's culture. And guys, this is so, so rich. And then here's my very, very good friend, Carl. And Carl's from Wolverhampton, okay, all the others at all those places. But Carl's from Wolverhampton and we've known each other for 30 years. And, and in the middle is a conversation that me and him had uh, just a few weeks ago. And I would love you and encourage you to check it out. It's on Instagram or it's on our Facebook page. I'd love you to check that conversation out. These, and, and I could go on. These are people who don't look like me, who don't have the same life experience. But I am learning so much from these friends and I believe that, guys, that as we learn, as we listen, as we, as we posture ourselves right, maybe in the eyes of someone else who doesn't look like us, maybe you and I would encounter the divine. The gospel is about a God who came to sit down next to us on the bus. We're different. We're different. And yet God reached over all of those divides to love us in the person of Jesus Christ. That's what Jesus is all about. That's who Jesus is. And maybe if this morning you, you, or today or whenever you're watching this, you, you, you're not sure of who Jesus is, then we want to ask you to really hang with us through this series. 
You know, as we look at, as we go through search history, you're going to see all the different aspects of Jesus. But today, today, what does Jesus say about racism to every single one of us? What's the response in our heart? Michelle Obama said this, it's up to all of us, black, white, everyone, no matter how well-meaning we think we might be to do the honest, uncomfortable work of rooting it out. It starts with self-examination and listening to those whose lives are different from our own. But it doesn't end there. She says this, it ends with justice, compassion, and empathy that manifests in our lives and on our streets. Can I just say, Life Central guys, I love the fact that we are a multicultural church. I wish we were more multicultural than we are. And if that upsets some of you out there, I'm sorry, but it's just who I believe Jesus is. And Jesus has crossed every single barrier, every single wall of hostility. He's all about oneness. He's all about unity, which is not uniformity. It's not all being the same. It's about this richness of expression. And we long for the day when every single aspect of who we are as a church is a full expression of the kingdom of God, which is every tribe, every tongue, every color, every race together in one name, Jesus. So how are you going to respond today? Let me give you three practical things, things that you can do right now. You can say to Jesus right now, number one, search my heart. Jesus, search my heart. Stop talking. Listen. And can I say, God, search my heart. Where am I on the continuum? Is there hatred in my heart? Is there hurt? Maybe you are someone who's been hurt by someone who's not like you. And so maybe you're nursing some hatred for someone else because you were hurt. Or maybe it's indifference. Or maybe you're one of those people that just keeps saying, I'm not a racist. Is that enough, guys? Is that enough? When Jesus calls us to move to become reconcilers. Secondly, hear my prayer. Could we just say to Jesus, hear my prayer. And I'm going to put a prayer up on the screen and I would love you to pray this prayer with me today as I put it up. Good and gracious God, you invite us to recognize and reverence your divine image and likeness in our neighbor. Enable us to see the reality of racism and free us to challenge and uproot it from our society, our world, and ourselves. Amen. And then finally, could we say this? Use my life. Use my life to be a reconciler, to bring people together, not to keep tearing people apart. Let our words, our actions, our attitudes, our responses move us on that continuum to be reconcilers in Jesus' name. You know, as you think about this through your day and through your week, I just leave this last thought with you. I saw this on a tweet somewhere. I don't even remember who said it. They literally said this, let your love be louder than your opinions. By this will all men know that you are my disciples, that you love one another as I have loved you, so love one another. Guys, our pastors would love to pray for you. If any of you want prayer today for this or for any other issues, you can engage with that. The chat will come on and you can do that. Maybe you can do that as we head in to our last song together. If you want prayer for anything, you know, maybe you're out there and you're hurt right now because somebody's hurt you. Maybe they've hurt you and you feel it's because of your race or because of who you are or, 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 or your background or your situation. 
Maybe you're carrying that. But maybe you recognize that you're carrying some other stuff. Maybe you're carrying some hatred or some antagonism or you're carrying some indifference or some apathy. Maybe today you, as I'm beginning to do more and more, say, Jesus, would you break my heart for what breaks yours? Would you break my heart for what breaks yours? I don't want to be indifferent. I want to be active. And in a moment, we're going to sing a final song together. And um, one of my friends and, and, and one of the girls from our worship team is going to introduce this to you. And I, we have said right from the beginning that we've got a big announcement for you. And we have. And it's going to come up right after this song. So stay tuned. This is a great song. And it couldn't be introduced better, I don't think, by Tanasha. Take a look. As a church, I really urge you to really educate yourself on what's been going on nowadays. Even finding out what some of the terminology that we're using means. Also to really take into account that there are people in your church that have been feeling fear and also anger to what's been going on right now. I know that I've had battles with God end on since the beginning of this whole situation. But I know that God has designed me in a specific way and he's given me a specific heart and a character but most importantly, a purpose on this earth. The song Good Grace starts with, people come together, strange as neighbors, our blood is one. How important, just that first, that first paragraph in the song Good Grace, how it starts with people come together, strange as neighbors, our blood is one. How important it is to realize that regardless of how different we are, regardless of the color of our skin, regardless of our gender, regardless of our age, regardless of anything, we come together, strange as neighbors, and our blood is one. We go to a church where everyone has different experiences and different color schemes. It's now being able to really appreciate that because God really designed us, each and every one of us, in his perfect image. This is good grace. <laughs> 